So this week feels like it's flying by, doesn't it? Um, and Martine this morning talked about resolution and equanimity, the eighth and tenth parami. And I will speak about truthfulness um, and metta, the, uh, the seventh and the ninth paramis. And what I'd like to do is uh, to speak and hope to have some time to offer a little practice with you. And, and if we have time after that, we'll, uh, we'll do some, a little bit of a chat. So uh, this week we've been um, speaking about and reflecting on and practicing with the parami. And we've talked about giving and virtue and renunciation and wisdom and energy and patience and determination and equanimity, all in the, all in the service of uh, living fearlessly in these COVID pandemic times. And in the US, additionally, the boiling over of police shootings of mostly young black men, which is of course a reckoning that's long overdue. And we've humbly offered our teachings as suggestions for living fearlessly uh, and with ease in, uh, in these roiling times. <clears throat> and this morning, I will complete our reflections on how these parami or perfections uh, might be of support, uh, 10 ways in which we can meet these conditions fearlessly. So I'll, uh, so speaking about truthfulness, uh, this is from uh, a treatise on the paramis by Dhammapala. Said truthfulness has the characteristic of non-deceptiveness. In speech, its function is to verify in accordance with fact. Its manifestation is excellence. Without truthfulness, virtue and the following perfections are impossible, and there can be no practice in accordance with one's compassionate vows. So that's serious. <laughs> All evil states have in common the transgression of truth. With truthfulness as a foundation, one is able to purify and fulfill the requisites of enlightenment. All the perfections are grounded in truth, clarified by letting go, intensified by peace, and purified by wisdom. So this is tied with the uh, morality or virtue, virtue parami as being free of deception to others is, uh, it's an essential component of sila, of virtue of integrity. So having developed patience and determination, we're better able to speak the truth, even when people don't want to hear it. Truthfulness or honesty manifests excellence and also supports determination. It also indicates uh, that we're acknowledging the truth to ourselves. And when we're, we are truthful with ourselves, it's the undergirding of discerning wisdom. So you begin to see that they all uh, mesh and weave and that all of these aspects of our uh, conduct and all of the, these aspects of our mind development 
fit together in a in a in a beautiful uh, pattern. So with self-deception, without being able to face the truth, we naturally fall into the pattern of being unable to discern and tell the truth. And it spirals and it builds on itself. And then we're in constant fear of being found out and losing honor and credibility and being seen as untrustworthy. And also taking ourselves as untrustworthy. And of course, this, this causes worry and agitation in our internal field and even our meditation practice can become agitated. And when we have the habit of not facing the truth, it becomes uh, our, our modus operandi, our, our way of being in the world. I was horrified uh, to read a teaching from the Buddha in which he said a liar is capable of any evil act. That if we're willing to deceive, then we're capable of any heinous act. It got my attention uh, that even the smallest, um, the smallest untruth or the smallest lie, no matter what the motivation is, uh, can blow into something um, much more harmful. So being honest internally and also holding our word with others proffers a kind of proffers a kind of dignity not being in fear of being found out, we're able to meet whatever comes our way fearlessly. So, so we begin to see how all of the practice of all of these paramis feed into um, being able to live fearlessly. So one of the primal programs for survival is to learn how to be reliable. Again, internally and in relationship. Committing to and admitting the truth to ourselves allows the heart and the mind to settle in, uh, in fearlessness, you know, in, a, in ease. Because if we're, uh, if we're not having to guard or remember what we said that was not true, or uh, then we are, our minds are free and we're not fearful and worried about whether... Um, whether we'll be found out. And as you already know, metta or loving kindness is a mental heart state cultivated by practice in which we um, uh, have boundless, boundless, unconditional goodwill for ourselves as well as others. And so it requires a kind of deliberate um, abandonment of self-centeredness and includes the understanding that the suffering of others is not separate from our own. It gives spaciousness and lightness in the mind, not needing anything in return. And it's said that metta shines like the sun on all, on all in the shade of the cherry tree. There are no strangers. So perfecting metta, and I use the word perfecting lightly, is essential to being free of the self-clinging that binds us to suffering. The heart of metta is friendliness and warmth for all beings concerned with the happiness and the well-being of ourselves and others. And I'd just like to, 
take a small detour at the moment and just say uh, one of my um, favorite uh, sections in the Visuddhimagga, the Path of Purification. That's a later, um, a later text um, written by a monk called Buddhaghosa in about uh, 500 years, I think, after the Buddha. Uh, he talks about uh, in, in the chapter on concentration, he talks about contemplating the dangers and hatred and the benefits of patience before sitting down in, um, in to, to practice both, uh, both our meditation practice and our meta practice. So, um, so you begin to see how all of these paramis uh, fit together. So true, so meta is the antidote to selfishness and important also the antidote to fear. When we look, when we look at people that we admire, uh, in, in America, of course, we're great admirers of Martin Luther King and, and there's Gandhi and His Holiness the Dalai Lama and Mr. Mandela, all endured unspeakable injustice. And they and their people were under great distress. Yet they were admired for preaching fearless love, even in times of chaos, upheaval, and violence. And in many ways, I think when we look at the, the footage of what they endured, we see a kind of peace on their faces. And I, my, my belief is that that peace actually came from this loving kindness, from this metta. And that even though Gandhi was assassinated and Mr., uh, Dr. King was assassinated and Mr. Mandela went to, went to prison and certainly the Dalai Lama had to flee his, his, uh, his homeland, they still were, are admired for preaching fearless love, even in these in chaotic and upheave, upheaval and violent times. And now we're living in a similar time overshadowed by a pandemic. Can we be inspired to bathe and float in the waters of Metta? There's a beautiful story about Metta that the Buddha and his monks lived in dense forests. And at one point, the Buddha sent the, the monks out to meditate at night. <clears throat> and when they went in, they encountered, oh, a butterfly just flew by. They encountered not just wild animals, but also the spirits of the forest. And they went running back to the Buddha with fear. And it said, that the metta practice is actually what the Buddha taught the monks as the antidote to fear, the protection against fear, teaching them how to live fearlessly. And we are fortunate to, um, to, ha to have those teachings handed down to us so that we can have that uh, same practice for working with whatever fear we're feeling in these really complex and uh, stressful times. So it's a teaching for us that our ability, our willingness to have universal goodwill is a protection from fear. 
So it's fitting that it is the ninth parami partnered with equanimity that Martine talked about. And it said there are 11 benefits of metta, which I really, I love this. Uh, it's from, this is from the Anguttara Nikaya. Um, and it's one of my favorite passages in the, in the Nikayas. It says the 11 benefits of metta are, uh, you will sleep easily, you will wake easily, you will have pleasant dreams, people will love you, devas, gods or angels and animals will love you and bow down to you, devas will protect you, external dangers such as poisons, weapons and fire will not harm you. And this is my favorite one, your face will be radiant. Your mind will be serene. Your mind, you will die unconfused. And you will be reborn in happy realms. Now, who wouldn't want these? So I would like to offer you um, a, a practice. And these reflections uh, in practice and encourage you to receive them in that way. So, um, please uh, sit to in, in your in a in a meditative posture. And with a sense of slight delight, like meeting a good friend, notice your in-breath. Kind of like a, a beautiful friend, hello, in-breath, and then hello, dear, out-breath. And you can welcome the gift of each in-breath knowing this breath connects us all. It belongs to the universe. It's the same breath of Buddha, Jesus, Moses, Muhammad, Napoleon, Mr. Mandela, Martin Luther King, all of these beings that have gone before us. And it also is um, the breath of all of us together on this planet. And then welcome the release of each out-breath. And with each in-breath and each out-breath, touch the preciousness, knowing that right now the truth is that there are many who are unable to breathe in and out on their own or with ease. And if that is not the case for you in this moment, receive the gift of each breath you're able to breathe with ease, without labor, without effort, yet bowing to your fellow beings who are in distress and feeling gratitude for our in and out breaths that are at ease.
If you're unable to breathe with ease, do what you can with kindness and care and stay as present as possible. And reflect for a moment on the truth of the moment of our whole planet. If you like, you can smile to your in-breath, appreciate its presence and the gift it brings of air, and smile to your out-breath, grateful that you can exhale, offering your contribution back to the whole universe while sending care to those who are not as fortunate. Smile also to your lungs as you breathe in and smile with your lungs as you breathe out. Feeling grateful for whatever level of health is there in your lungs and the whole respiratory system. The lungs are still operating at whatever level is achievable. Be grateful for the whole miraculous respiratory system that keeps us alive and connected. And as you appreciate the gift of lungs, breath, the air, expand your awareness to include the whole body, this miraculous internal community, community of some trillions of cells all working together, doing their best, taking care of functions that you don't need to control. Take that in as you breathe, this miraculous human body you have the good fortune to inhabit. You can breathe and smile and be aware of the physical senses, seeing, hearing, smelling, tasting, touching, not giving any sense primacy. Follow the journey of your in-breath and follow the journey of your out-breath, aware of the larger home of the body. Cultivating a sense of friendship with the in-breath. I 
I'm seeing that there are um, that that you lost connection to my to my sound for a while. So I hope you were able to continue to just appreciate the body and the breath and the movement of this breath that we take so much for granted and that we um, can feel the preciousness of this body and that you can feel you can have uh, metta with the truth for the truth of this body however it is in this moment whatever is true for you whether it's beautifully functioning or there is an illness or there is um, uh, stuckness or whatever is happening for you in your body you can still feel kindness and gratitude for this um, whole amazing contraption that uh, contains your life and allows you to live it uh, as fully as you are able. So I, I apologize for the technology that, <laughs> that lost me. Um, so so I'll, I will, I'm, but I'm, I'm going to try to re regain my balance and re regain the truthfulness of this moment and, and occupy it fully with uh, loving kindness and uh, to live fearlessly with this beautiful technology that allows me to speak to you so many thousands of miles away and bow to it and be really grateful that uh, that we have it even though it like us is imperfect so um i will just ring the bell to bring us out of our 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 protract our our small our short meta and truthful practice So uh, I, you know, I'll, I'll just I'll just uh, end by saying that we can always um, return to our metta practice, return to this practice of um, protection, as the Buddha pointed out to the to the, to the to the monks that when they went into the forest with their and and were scared of all of the. Uh, you know, the animals and the dangers that they saw in the in the forest that they could actually use this practice of loving kindness of the uh, the wish for the well-being not only of ourselves but of all beings that we could use that as a total protection for, against the dangers of living in this life and I think it's metaphoric that we're able to with kindness and with love meet the world. Um, in such a way that uh, that it's said that with with metta, the the eleven benefits. One of them is that poisons won't harm you, um, uh, etc. So 
um, use it and use it well and use it regularly and use it often, especially when you feel under duress uh, in your relationships with other people. It's, I found it to be a really helpful practice to remind me to come back and um, drop whatever hatred is running through my body when I'm in uh, distress or in uh, difficulties with others. So uh, it, this is a beautiful way of seeing how uh, no matter what is happening, we're able to, with kindness, uh, meet, the truth of the, meet the truth of the moment. And the truth of the moment now is that we are, uh, we are beholden to this technology and we can meet it with deep metta and, grat and profound gratitude for its ability to keep us connected even in the times when we're disconnected and you were all telling me that I was, <laughs> I was not being heard. It was really, it was a beautiful, actual, it was actually a beautiful um, example of truthfulness <laughs> and of metta. So uh, that is my offering for the morning. Thank you so much. And I'm really happy to receive your comments and your questions, um, whatever. Uh, whatever is on your minds this morning. I hope you, I hope you are well. Uh, do you have advice for consolidating consolidating meta? Uh, I'm I'm going to interpret that to mean for um, including meta in our practice. And if that's not what you're asking, please uh, write another chat and let me know what you are what you are asking. Thank you. So um, I use meta uh, in uh, in a number of ways. I use it. Um, I, I use it in daily life quite often, especially when I'm in distress with another being. So I use it for, I use it as protection for myself, but I also use it in relationship, especially when I'm in distress with another being. Um, and I remind myself, first of all, of what I said, and I hope you heard when I was speaking about um, Buddha Gosa talking about uh, metta. Um, as talking about patience and uh, metta together, actually, and uh, he he asks us to reflect on the dangers in hatred, and and I thought that he would the reason that this this phrase this this selection in the in the in, the, the Sudimaga so stands out with me is that I remember so clearly expecting him to say the dangers and hatred and the benefits of love or the advantages of love. And he actually said the advantages or the benefits of patience. So it's a, it's a really a kind of melding together for us, uh, these paramis and how they work together. So I use metta as a way of um, reminding 
protecting myself about patients, especially when I'm in distress with another being. And, and, I, and I find it to be a really, it shifts my internal space and therefore it shifts the relationship that I'm having with the person in front of me. Because if our internal space is shifted, the relationship also shifts. And I've been really amazed at seeing how um, in that moment too, I can actually most of the time perceive a shift in the other person. Because when I'm relaxed, when I'm really aware of my breath, aware of my breathing, and aware of this being as a person who, whom I can actually love unconditionally, even though I'm having a terrible time with them or a hard time with them. Um, it's, it's a, it, I see it now how the Buddha saw it as protection. And uh, so that's, that's how I, I use it. I do a metta practice every day with my, with my meditation practice. That is how I end my meditation practice um, for all. And if I, if I, if I'm short of time, I, instead of going through a whole list of people, I will do it for all beings. Um, and that, so that keeps me connected. It keeps me grounded in the wisdom of my interconnection with the whole planet, with all of the beings on the planet, that they need me and I need them. And I'm hopefully reminding myself of that. Martine, you have something to say. No, it's just somebody asked a very interesting question. About yes, because just to let you know, I lost the chat. I lost the chat when we lost the, the connection. So I lost all of the questions that were there before. So, so thank that's you. Why, so that's why there was one about what white lies and I'm going to read it. Okay. So what about white lies? when we have to say something that's not true to protect others from getting hurt? Mm. There's actually a sutta on that and I'm trying to recall, recall it. Um, but I, it's, not, it's not coming. So I'll, I'll give you my answer rather than the Buddha's answer. <laughs> I hope it will be sufficient. Um, yeah, so can you... Can you actually, um, the white lie, I think, may be the shortcut, right? That we may, one of the things that we can actually say is, um, I really, I don't want to answer your question or I, because I'm afraid it will hurt you. My answer will hurt you. Rather than saying, um, saying a white lie, which just then, you know, uh, complicates the whole situation. So that's how I, if I, if I feel as if I can't tell someone the truth, I will tell them the truth that I can't tell them the truth rather than telling them something that is not true. I hope that that's helpful. It might not be helpful in all situations, but I think it's helpful in most. I don't know if you see it in the chat, was asking you about any recommended, recorded, guided meta practice that can be used to explore this more. Um, so in America, we have something called Dharma Seed. 
uh, and dharmaseed.org, I think, is the, is the website. And it has thousands of talks by different teachers, uh, mostly at Insight Meditation Society here. And uh, if you, you, you go there, it's quite easy to find a teacher, particular teachers. It's also quite easy to find by subject. So that's what I would, that's what I would recommend. Then there was a question about how, how can we use a quality of truthfulness as its fullest power right now in the time of COVID? Oh, what a beautiful question. Thank you. Um, so what is the truth of where we are? And I, and I imagine that in Europe, it's not, in, especially in England, it's probably not quite as complicated as it, as it is here because we have multiple pandemics going on. Um, but, uh, you know, I think, I, I think to really face the truth for, I will answer from an American perspective, and I hope that that is helpful to you in wherever you live. Um, I, certainly, I think that what is happening now is we are unearthing much of the truth that we have known, but we haven't really faced squarely. And I think in difficult times, uh, sometimes, much of the time, we're forced to actually face the truth, even if it's unpleasant. And I think Dharma practice actually gives us the strength, the inner strength and durability and endurance to be able to face uh, unvarnished, unpleasant truths. And, and I find that when I do face the truth squarely, that that does give me a kind of fearlessness because there is nothing hidden from me. And if I'm telling the truth about that truth, I'm also not hiding it from who, whoever I'm in contact with. And so it's like an armor. Um, it's, it's not just a perfection or a, a kind of um, uh, ungrounded uh, thing that we do for, for practice, but it's actually quite practical. It actually grounds us in our ability to work with what is true. If we're not working with what is true, and if we're not telling the truth, uh, we're in fear because we're always in fear that either it will pop out or at some point when we face it, it will have multiplied and become more complex. I find that if I tell the truth right now in this moment, there's a simplicity to it. If I, if I leave it, and even later on, if I then can tell the truth, it, the situation is much more complex because now I have to deal with the fact that I've lost trust. Either if the person has not told me the truth or I've not told them the truth, we've lost trust in each other. And so even though it may feel difficult or it may feel like um, the truth may be hurtful, perhaps being aware of it, using our mindfulness practice to be aware of what is hurtful or what is um, what may be hurtful to actually present it in such a way that is not hurtful 
if you know what I mean. So for instance, to say what I'm about to say may hurt you and it's not my intention to hurt you, but I want to tell you the truth. This may be, this may also go for the white lies question. Um, I want to tell you the truth. And if it hurts you, please tell me and let us work through it. But we tend not to want to do that, right? We want, because it's, it's not, it's not an easy, as easy a way out as actually telling the white lie. So I, I went, I, I know I reverted back to the, to that other question, but I think this was connected to it. No, there was more comment on that. So you answered the comments actually, and then. Oh, good. Good. Thank you. I am still very impressed by your talk yesterday about patience. It, it is a way also uh -huh. to meet the condition without fear as meta. Should we practice meta and patience together or what are the differences? Okay, so reverting back to uh, Buddhaghosa's instructions about first, um, you know, establishing the benefits, reflecting on and, ben and, and seeing the benefits of patience and the disadvantages of, of hatred. Um, I think that they are indeed tied together. Um, that uh, that meta and meta and <laughs> meta and patience again are 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 tied up. That without patience, it's very very difficult to really have true meta for uh, for ourselves or for anyone else. Because if we're if we're impatient, we want things to be resolved. We want them to. We want things to hurry up. We want. We want everything to be back to where we thought it should be, or we, or where we think we should be going, or and where 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 our internal uh, being is being roiled up by the impatience, and uh, that's why I think Buddha Gosa instructed us that in order to establish metta, that patience is necessary. Um, so I, I don't know if that answers your question. I hope it does. So while being truthful is something I try to practice in my personal life, I find that in the workplace, it is often not an option because it can cause tension between colleagues. Hmm. So, so what's occurring to me, and I don't know if this is helpful to you, I hope it is. But I think that for me, um, and, it, and I think it goes back to the white lies question too, to actually tell somebody truthfully that you, would, you cannot respond to the question or you can't respond to the situation because to tell them truthfully might be hurtful. So in that, in that way, I think what we're doing is we're actually indicating to the person that we have care for them and that we have care for ourselves too. And then patience comes up because what it, because I practice, I, I really am so in love with the practice of patience. I'm always reminded that I can actually take a few deep breaths 
before I respond to a difficult person or a difficult question. So if I'm, if I'm taking my time in that moment when the first to, to tell the white lie, no, that didn't bother me or when it actually did or to say, oh, fine. Gina, we are really losing you. Can you hear me? I am sorry. It looks like uh, Gina kind of uh, got cut off, but she might be back now. I think I'm back now. Good, because you, you, we lost you for two minutes. So just when yes. it was getting interesting, you know, you were talking about if somebody asked you a question and it sounded so interesting and then you were cut off. <laughs> Well, maybe it wasn't meant to be the answer. Maybe now I have to come up with a different answer. <laughs> yeah, well, I, so let me see if I can remember what I was saying. I, I think basically what I was saying was, you know, I, I revert to this, this instruction to, to remember the benefits of patience and the disadvantages in hatred. So... Uh, you know, I think what patience brings to me is I can take a deep breath, even if I'm knowing that what I'm about to say may not be, may be uh, hurtful to the other person, not because I intend to hurt them, but because I'm telling them an unvarnished truth that may, that may be unpleasant to them. And can I, in that moment, in a patient way, actually pause and tell them what is happening for me rather than launching into responding, you know, and I know in the hurly burly of life, sometimes we may not have all of this time that I'm positing, but sometimes we can actually make the time. We can actually think if I respond the way I respond now, because I'm a bit angry or I'm upset or I'm reactive, I know something bad is going to come of it. So can I actually say to the person, here's what's happening for me. I don't want to hurt you. And so I'm not sure I can respond to your question right now. Perhaps we can come back to it later. Or something like that. The thing which I think it could be useful is because people yes, are saying, telling the truth can be an excuse for a veil attack. And then somebody said, mm. sure, truthfulness mm truthfulness without meta is not what you're talking about anyway. You're talking about truthfulness with right. meta. Yes, yes. And sometimes we do have to tell the truth that may not be, may not land well for someone else. And can we, can we, with meta, can we actually put it in a context that may not completely, um, uh, abrogate their, you know, the hurt feelings or whatever, but but may actually uh, shift the the atmosphere or shift the context in which you're relating. I think it's a real that's a really important point for all of us in practice. Is that instead of getting caught up in the hurly burly of the moment, oh, a beautiful red hawk red-tailed hawk just flew by. I'm having these amazing experiences. I'm sorry. 
Um, so can we, instead of getting caught up in the moment, like I just did, um, uh, step back and give it space, which is where patience comes in, right? It's, so impatience, I think, and truth and metta are all in, you know, in one package. And if we're practicing them, we're, we begin to see in real time and in real situations how they actually support each other. And that's why I think Martine and I teaching these paramis in times of COVID and in, in these pandemic times and all of the things that are happening in the world, that it's really helpful to be able to remember that we have these practices available to us and we can, as practitioners, we may fail sometimes, right? We may get caught up. We may forget the, the disadvantages in hatred, right? Because we hate a situation or we don't want to be in the situation or somebody is irritating us. But can we remember that um, we can actually pause with, we can apply patience, pause, and actually come forth with something that calms the seas, calms the situation, um, reminds us that we are loving beings. We are loving beings. We are loving beings. And even though we may be in hateful situations, we can still keep the uprightness of being a loving being. And I think for me, that feels as if when I go out into the world, I'm really armored. I can be fearless because that is the intention that I have. Thank you very much. You're very welcome. I'm sorry that with that. I'm sorry. I apologize. I know it's not, it's not my fault, but I'm still apologizing for all of the ways in which um, the, the Zoom has not been cooperating with us this morning. Uh, but here we are in real life, right? And just to know that when we, when we are close to the truth, when we are patient, that things do unfold in a different way. They do. They really do. Well, have a beautiful day of metta, of loving kindness, and remember that it's a protection for you in, in when, we, when we're afraid, that it really is a beautiful protection and that the truth will always will always conquer and survive and prevail <laughs> have a beautiful beautiful day of practice thank you thank you for listening to learn how you can support the teachers and dharma seed please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate